Okay, good morning, everyone. I want to thank uh, Dvorah and Avi Orlam for sponsoring uh, this morning and the next uh, several Amuna Shiram in memory of their beloved daughter, Miriam Esther. Neshama should have an aliyah, and you should get Nechama and comfort through our uh, learning of Amuna. should serve in her memory and to give you strength. We are making our way through this piece in the Salam Rebbe. We're spending uh, several weeks on it, on uh, the theme of Elul. And a theme which is relevant for this time of year, but not exclusively this time of year, but really uh, speaks to our emuna and bitachon throughout the entire year. And the theme has been Vanis The theme of Anila Dodi Vedodili, one of the acronyms quoted by the Arizal, the great Kabbalist for Elul, is Anila Dodi Vedodili, that I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. We have a lot of metaphors, we have a lot of examples for our relationship with Hashem. And Rabbi Kiva says, Shir Shir Miskodeshakadashim, the highest metaphor the one that's most accurate, the one that best depicts the relationship we're supposed to have with Hashem, is not of friends and is not of parent and child, is not of boss and employee, but is a romantic relationship of a husband and wife, of a man and a woman, of romance, of love, of longing. And in that context, Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li is Ani Lidodi, that I am to my beloved. And the whole theme that the Salaam Rabbi has been developing is that our mission in life is to submit, to devote our sense of Ani Lidodi. Our ani, our anochius, our sense of self, our identity, our independence, our ego, should be lidodi. That I'm trying to make my will conform to that of Hashem. I'm trying to be in, in consonance with Him. Ani lidodi. And when that happens, Hashem reciprocates. Lidodi li. That just like in marriage and just like in human romantic relationships, when a person is willing to put the other ahead of themselves then the other reciprocates and wants to put the other ahead of themselves. And that's the nature of the relationship with Hashem. That's the mission of us. That we should make our will conform to His. Try to make what we want be what He thinks we should want. It happens to be that what He wants for us is the best thing for us. Right? So that when, when Yecheva wants to go out for milchiks and I want to go out for fleshiks, <laughs> if I make her will conform to mine, it's good for me in terms of Shalom bias, but it's not good for me in terms of the meal, of course everyone knows flesh is much better. But it happens to be, but when you make your will conform to Hashem's will, I told the Comcast story last night in the year, by the way. Very like converting the Comcast employees. So it happens to be that when you make your will conform to Hashem's will, you're not sacrificing or submitting or, 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 or forfeiting. Hashem's will for you is better than your will for yourself. So it's really in your very own interest. It's like you make your will conform to the nutritionist who's telling you what to eat. You're not, you know, you're not compromising. That nutritionist is telling you what's best for you to eat. So when we make our will conform to Hashem's will for us in terms of what to eat spiritually, then we are, then we are conforming to what Hashem feels is really best for us. Okay, and it's in that context that he explained that this pasuk, regarding my ani, regarding my sense of self, regarding who I am, my prayer is, Hashem that I'm able to succeed in devoting who I am to you. That when I'm going through my day and I'm feeling a conflict, I'm feeling a tension between what I want from me and what I know you want from me, I'm able to make my will conform to what you want from me. Vani, regarding my sense of self, my prayer, what I'm always thinking about is how I can make it conform. We're on page Rishnon Beis, the second side, uh, two, four, six, eight lines up from the bottom, there's a dot, Yesha Adam Mavakesh. Everyone see where we are? There are times that we ask for small favors, small things, 
because it's not the time to ask for large things. And there are times that all we can think about are in small things. I can't think, I can't contemplate, I can't apprehend, I'm not trying to achieve world peace right now, some enormous transformation. Asking for the small things. Get through the day, the moment, this work out well, the small things. Right? In the sentence of David Melach, one of the things he says is, when is it that I'm trying to tap into making who I am conform to who you want me to be? When is the best time to be doing that? During an ace ratzon. We talked about last week, what's an ace ratzon? We talked about the Piazet and the Rebbe's one ace ratzon is Shalashuris. It's the holy of holies. It's the holiest moment of the week. When we think Shabbos is disappearing and we're losing the power, the energy of Shabbos is really when it's at its peak, when it's at its climax. It's the, the highest point of Shabbos. Too many people don't tap into that and achieve that. What the Piyazet and the Rebbe described was his weekly ni'ila, was Shalashiris. It's an ace ratzon. There are other ace ratzons. This is a period of ace ratzon. Of Dirshu Hashem Behim Did we talk about that last week? Dirshu Hashem, that speak to Hashem when he's found Right? That we call out to Hashem when He is accessible to us. To which Chazal tell us, what does it mean? During those ten days, and that's the notion of Hamelach Basada, the king is in the field. We try to have access to the king, but he's in his palace, so you can't get through, you can't get by. There are layers and layers and layers of guards and senior staff, and social and secret service, and it's impossible to get access. You can't talk to them. But sometimes the king is in the field. The king is out. And when he's on the parade route, or when you're going to be at the rally, and you'll be able to grab him for a moment, then you have access. So this is the time of year that we're told, even though sometimes it's hard to feel Hashem's presence in our life, it's hard to feel we have access, we feel there are layers and layers of barriers, it's hard to feel His love, His intimacy, His presence, His hand on our shoulder. This is HaMelech Basad, the king's in the field. And the Me'iri, I think it's the Me'iri who says, not just, it's not just the ten days that Hashem is out of the palace, but it's all Chodesh Elul, the whole month of Elul. This whole month of Elul, Hashem is accessible. Hashem is available to me. So this whole month is an Eis Ratzon. And an Eis Ratzon can mean externally or internally. Meaning an Eis Ratzon can be that the cosmos provide me a moment. So every Shabbos at Shalashidah, so the world is providing me that moment. A bris milah is an Eis Ratzon. We have many mystical sources that talk about the cries of the baby ascend and bring with it our most heartfelt philos. A chasan under a chuppah, we give them names and people to daven for. It's their personal Yom HaKippurim. We have these moments embedded in time. A woman, the a woman at the mikvah, a woman lighting candles on Friday night. We have these moments of time which are embedded, this Ace Ratzon, to tap into. Where don't just, don't just ask for the small things. Right? If you get a meeting, you stop the president while he's walking down the street because he happens to be out campaigning or at a rally and you've got an audience with him. Don't just hand him your parking ticket and ask him to get you off the parking ticket. That's a ridiculous waste of that opportunity. You got some $25 parking ticket? That's not what you, get, you had access to him for. Those are, those are the big moments. That's where you take advantage of the large things during the Ace Zone. When you don't have access, so you send the parking ticket with a cover letter to somebody who you know, who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who knows somebody, maybe you can help me with this. But in the Ace Zone, when you have that audience, Chodesh Elo, I'm not closing the door, Chodesh Elo, we have this audience, we have this opportunity, in that time, don't pass it up. Don't pass it up. Yehudi Margish, 
We feel our nothingness, our unworthiness. That's a great feeling. It's a terrible feeling, but it's a great feeling. Meaning, inherently some might say, feeling unworthy is not going to motivate you for personal growth. But on the other hand, we, we are in a generation that's not struggling with feeling too unworthy. <laughs> we feel too worthy. We feel we're all that. It's the famous Rav Simcha Bunim, or the Katskarebi, or a million other people in whose name it's quoted, that a Jew walks around with a petak in each pocket. You walk around with a note in each pocket. On one it says, Bishvili Nivra'olam, the whole world was created for me. Hashem put it all together. Technology, medical breakthrough, the world, the pleasures of the world. It's all there. If no one else existed, if no one else were created, Hashem would have done it all just for me. This world is my oyster. It's all there for me, on the one hand. We should understand that we are just beneath Hashem. Perkhes of Tehillim. That we are just beneath Hashem. That's where we are. It's God, us, the angels, and then everything else in creation. That's who we are. Banamatem Lamakum, we're the children of Hashem, we're royalty. The whole world exists just for us. That's in one pocket. And you know, in the moments that we think I'm unworthy, I'm inconsequential, I'm invisible, I don't matter, what's the point of my life? What's the point of any of this? Everything that's happening to me is so random. Then you pull out that note and you say, Bishvili Nivra'olam. No, I do matter. I'm royalty. I'm the child of God. And this whole world, everything in it is there just for me to tap into, to enjoy, to benefit from, to mold, to shape, to contribute, to conquer. It's all there for me. And then you have the moments where you feel, you know what? It's all there for me. I'm all that. It's all for me. So then you pull out the other note. I am gurnished. I'm nothing. I'm unworthy. So Yehudi Margish, part of our mission is to, is to feel unworthy. So in that moment of an Ezratzon, <coughs> by the way, an Ezratzon could just mean that you're really inspired. You just witnessed a sunset. You just experienced a great gift. You just had something coincidental happen, look seemingly coincidental, that you feel was orchestrated from above. That's an ace ratzon to tap into. Something just came together. Something just happened. And you feel, you just sat at a kumzitz and the song lifted you. You just, whatever that moment is that transforms you, that's an ace ratzon. That's a moment of personal opportunity of breakthrough. And what are you going to break through with? Who are you going to think about? What are you going to contemplate? The best, how are you going to be the best version of yourself? So in that moment of Eis Ratzon, what's our bakasha? What's the prayer? Lecha Hashem. Be'es Ratzon. When I'm having that moment of personal breakthrough, that high, my tefillah is Lecha Hashem. That I'm taking my whole sense of Ani, my Anochias, and I'm dedicating it to you. Uve'es Ratzon agadu al-zeh shalashana shum bakasha inene b'chlag gedolos atem evakesh rake yitzahara mevabel sa'adum shalo yarech nechon ez gadlos ha'es Ratzon. So during this Eitzrat zone of Elul, this time of the year, part of the way the Eitzahar is working is, you know what it's telling you? It's telling me? It's telling all of us? Who are you kidding? You go through this every year. <laughs> it never sticks. It never works. You have these dreams. You have these goals. You make these promises. You offer these pledges. Are we really going to do this routine again this year? You really think it's going to be different this year? That's the Eitzahar that every time you start a diet says, you know what? The first time you cheat, the next day says... Who are you kidding? How many times have you done this? The exercise routine, the effort to be patient. Last night we spoke all about, about patience and, and trying to conquer anger, our impulse for anger. That Yetzirah, which we know, Yetzirah is not some little, you know, little red devil on our shoulder. Yetzirah is the internal voice of self-sabotage that we struggle with. It's the animal impulse in us, the instinct in us. So that voice, one of the ways, its methodologies is to say, who are you kidding? Who are you fooling? You've done this before. You do this every year. And every time you come up short, it's there to say, I told you so. 
it's there to say, don't bother in the future. But the Salam Rebbe is saying, no, the way to overcome that voice with the Yetzir HaTov is to say, this is an Yetzir song. It's going to be different this time. I have a breakthrough moment and a breakthrough opportunity. And I always believe that my best is yet to come. Me'atavi Adolam, we spoke about on Shabbos a few weeks ago, or the insight of Rav Shlomo Hafman. How do we praise Hashem? Not when we live a life where we're stuck in the past, where we beat ourselves up about the past, where we feel unworthy because of our past, where we can't move past our past and we can't put it down, and we're still carrying the woman across the river and we haven't set her down yet, if you remember the story from the Drasha. That's not how we praise Hashem. How do we live the most meaningful, virtuous life, a life that is in praise of Hashem? We do it when we live me'ata vi'ad olam. Hashem, I can't change yesterday. All right, I had the bag of potato chips. I had the chocolate cake. I cheated on the diet yesterday. I lost my cool. I raised my voice. I promised I wasn't going to get angry. And I flipped out on my kids. All right, so I looked at the thing on the internet or I spoke that juicy Lashon Hara, which I know I really shouldn't have shared. But you know what? That was yesterday. And yesterday's gone. And I can't rewind the clock and I can't go back in time and I can't change it. So I'm not going to get stuck in it. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to be informed by it. But all I can do in life is me'ata v'adolam. All I can live is viatad now and going forward. That's an ace ratzon. When you live in Elul, you heard that inspiring shir, you listened to that incredible music, you experienced that moment that brought a tear to your eye, you saw the sunset, you experienced nature, the coincidence thing that happened to your life. Whatever the example is, it's providing an ace ratzon. It's an invitation, it's an opportunity. It says right now is a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough. Bottle it, capture it, return to it, come back to it. You know, on all these uh, great experiences for kids, they'll often at the end have the kids write themselves, the future themselves, a letter. Didn't I just get a letter from herself from the past? When was it from? From fifth grade. Right. The fifth grade teacher. She graduated high school. She's now in Israel, Baruch Hashem, doing fantastically well, and on her way to leave our home from graduating 12th grade to go to Israel, she got a letter from her fifth grade teacher. She got a letter from, sorry, from her fifth grade self to her now post-high school self. Right? Which is a, it's, it's a great exercise. So people do that for kids, but we should do that for ourselves. Everyone should go home after Ni'ilah, assuming you had a good Ni'ilah. And before you break your fast, write yourself a letter about the year that you want, about what you felt, about who you saw within you. Because you know what's going to happen? By the, by the last days of Sukkot, maybe by Sukkot, maybe by the end of the breakfast of Motzei Yom Kippur, maybe, you know, by, by Motzei Yom Kippur, you know, there's this guy on the internet, he asks all these questions and he has pictures of rabbis with the answers. I don't know if anyone sees this. So he asked me this week, his question for this week is, what's your favorite tefillah on Yom Kippur? So I, I wrote, at first I wrote, Bahu Rachum of Marav on Motei Yom Kippur, but then I changed that. I thought that was a little too, a little too cynical. So by Motei Yom Kippur, you're already saying Bahu Rachum. You're already saying Slach Lanu Avinu in the Shemonasri of Motei Yom Kippur. What exactly did you do wrong? So everyone says, it was that sigh, it was that sigh of relief. The Yom Kippur's over, thank God. That's for Slach Lanu Avinu. Right, so we can't even get it, keep it going 10 minutes past Yom Kippur. Already Slach Vahu Rachum, Hashem forgive us. So it's going to be lost. So imagine if we would capture it. Today you don't even have to write a letter to yourself. Just put your phone on, email yourself, or, or just take a video of yourself, interview yourself. Take a video of yourself for one second, talking to your future self, your future self being tomorrow, <laughs> saying, that was amazing, I tapped into something, I felt Hashem's presence, I felt the unity of being part of a community, there was an energy, I really believe I could do it, this is my year. And when the cynicism and sarcasm will arise, within a few days you can watch it and say, you know what, maybe I don't feel the same level of energy, but I saw something in myself. I know I have that in me. So the point is that we are provided these ace rut zones, these moments 
of breakthrough opportunities, invitations for breakthrough. And the question is, will we walk through the door? Will we bottle it and capture it? Will we come back to it and revisit it? Will we be willing to remind ourselves that we saw a piece of ourselves as the most authentic version of ourselves? And now we struggle because that's one of the acronyms for Elul, Marta Maslavav, Malta, what is it? Malta Eslavav. Whatever the pot's good you hear today. I can't remember anything. <laughs> I had a very late night last night. So, Umantas Lavav Zarecha, whatever the Pasuk is. I don't think that's it. You have to. There's a lot of acronyms for Elul. And one of them includes circumcising your heart. What does it mean to circumcise your heart? It's, there's no Maul who you can hire for that. What does it mean to circumcise your heart? Circumcise your heart means that our heart has layers and layers of covers, has, has virtual spiritual foreskins. And the mission is to peel them back, to cut them off, to reveal what is most authentic. And that's the struggle that we go through all the time. There's the most authentic version of ourselves. There's the most real version of ourselves. There's the best version of ourselves. We've seen it. Maybe we get to see it once a year for 10 minutes. Maybe we see it once a week. Maybe we see it once a day. Everyone's different. But it's the one who's able to make it through davening with kavana to walk away feeling energized, charged, like I really just connected with Hashem. There's that moment as a spouse or as a parent we feel, you know what, that was the best version of me as a husband or a wife or a mother or a father. Right? I, I, I was such an example, or I was devoted, or I was willing to, to self-sacrifice, or I was fully present in what I was doing, or I felt overwhelmed with a sense of love. There are our best moments in every realm of life. And the mission of Elul, the mission the whole year, but particularly of Elul, is to reveal that most authentic self. Is our most authentic self to be our most dominant self? Not to have our most authentic self be hidden and covered, but for it to be so revealed that the best version of us is the us that everyone knows. And not the us that only a few know or only some know during certain times. And that's that Eitzratzon. Elul is this Eitzratzon, to break through and to convince ourselves that that's, that, that that's the real self that our best is yet to come. Too many people, Moish Bain, the current president of the OU, has a wonderful article in her old Claw Perspectives. It's an issue that talks about what it means to be a balabas. It's written mostly towards men. It's written, okay, fine. It's written entirely towards men. About basically the transition from going from yeshiva years to being in the workplace, to graduating yeshiva, to leave the cocoon, to leaving the, the bomb shelter of the yeshiva, and to go out into what we call the real world. And he says, unfortunately, what happens, most people think, Yeshiva is a place that is defined by growth, right? All the conversations, and, and seminary, same thing, girls' seminaries, right? You're lying awake late, late at night in your dorms. Maybe this happened before there was cell phones and FaceTime and texting and being in touch with all your friends. But you're, you're grappling and gripping with, with all these questions, these existential questions of who you are and who you want to be and is there a God and can you feel His presence and a million one of these questions. And then what happens is you graduate that stage of life and then you go to the real world. And you feel that my best is behind me. My growth years are behind me. And at best, what I'm trying to do right now is maintain. I'm in the maintenance phase, right? So if you're going to, again, compare it to the diet. So my yeshiva or seminary years are my weight loss years, my exercise years. And then when I graduate, the rest of my life, I'm trying to do maintenance. I just don't want to gain the weight back. I just don't want to lose what I'm doing. And his argument in that article, and it's so beautifully written and persuasive and important and, and really articulating a very different vision, is that... Where, where does it say that once you're out of the educational phase of your life, you're done growing? Where does it say that you have to live life thinking, thinking that your best is behind you? We live life the exact opposite as Jews. Our mission in life is to think and feel all the time that my best is yet to come. 
that my growth phase is yet ahead of me. I haven't davened my Beshmon Esra yet. I haven't done my most self-looked act of chesed yet. I have not been the best parent or spouse I can be yet. I haven't professionally achieved what I want to achieve yet. I haven't led my most healthy lifestyle yet. In every realm and area of life, whether you're 20 or whether you're 80, at every phase of life we are to believe, that's what Elul in this period of the year are about, at every phase of life we are to believe that my best ex is yet to come, is ahead of me. I've quoted often that um, the great architect... So good you're here today. We missed you so much last week. Frank Lloyd Wright, who was a brilliant architect and designed award-winning buildings around the world, was once asked towards the end of his career, what's your favorite building? What's the favorite design that you've ever done? And his answer was, my next one. My next one. Right? And that, that's exactly our mentality. My Beshmona Esrei is not, I remember once and I was in Israel and this thing happened and I was in my year and I remember I had this incredible Shmona Esrei. I remember once, Amuna Bitachon, that I was able to tap in. In every area of life, as parents, as spouse, as Ovde Hashem, as B'nai Torah, B'nos Torah, our best version of ourselves in every one of these areas is yet to come, is ahead of us. There are, there are ace rutzons that are still coming and that I can't wait for. We have all kinds of positive influences that create an environment that create a condition, a climate, a culture that enable and create an ace ratzon. Sometimes we have to generate our own ace ratzon who we hang out with and where we hang out and the atmosphere we create creates an ace ratzon. It creates an ace ratzon which is an opportunity to break through. So, so Kosh Baruch Hu helps. He's, he's the one who provides the climate, the ace ratzon, and we have to daven for it. We sometimes forget to daven for his help having personal growth. Hashem, help me in my learning. Help me. Hashem, it's kind of paradoxical. You're davening in Shemona Esrei. Hashem, help me in my davening. That, that's exactly how we start Shemona Esrei, by the way. What are the opening words of Shemona Esrei? Hashem sefasai tevtach ufiyagiti lasecha. You know who said those words? David Melch said them in Tehillim. I think it's Tehillim Nun Beis. It's the Tehillim where after he sins with Bacheva, and the Navi comes and criticizes him and says, you messed up. He offers in that Tehillim, chatasi lashem. But he begins, David Melch says, I feel I've disappointed Hashem so badly. I'm so far from him. I have so little, unlike Elul or Esther the king is not in the field. The king is in his palace and he said, I can never come again. David Melch feels I have zero access to him. You ever hurt someone so badly or you made such a mistake or you messed up so much that you feel like, I don't even know how to start this conversation. I don't even know how to call. I don't even know how to start the email. I don't even know how to start the conversation. I don't even know. So that's how David Melch says, Hashem Sfasai Tiftach. Hashem, open my lips. Tell me what to say. Help me find the right words to fix this, to make it right, to connect with you again. And I always find it so meaningful that those are the words that we use. You know, Hashem, between Shacharis and Mincha, I blew it. I made all these promises at Shacharis and then I ignored you until Mincha. Between Mincha and Marv, I blew it. Between Marv and Shacharis, the next morning, I blew it. All these promises, all these pledges, all these dreams I had, all these things you expected of me and I didn't do them. I neglected them. So I don't even know if you want to hear from me. So Hashem, Hashem, Sifasai, Tiftach. 
Help me, help me move my lips. Help me find the right words. So the first thing we daven for in davening is for our davening. <laughs> Hashem, help this davening flow. Help it go well. Help me concentrate. Help me find the words. Help me connect. Know what's in my heart. How do we end davening? We say, Hashem, I don't know if it worked. Hashem I don't know if it worked. I don't know if I found the right words. I don't know if you feel, feel, felt it. But what I did say, and what was in my heart. You know what was in my heart. Right? So when I sit with you and it's just not coming out right. I'm trying to say the right thing and I can't fix it and it's just not coming out right. But I'm telling you, I feel in my heart I have the right intention. Well, that's nice, but the other person doesn't have access to download what's in your heart. All the intention of the world, if you can't articulate it, it's very hard to communicate it. But not so with Hashem. With the Ribbon Shalom, sometimes you walk away from the conversation with him and you say, don't know if I got it with the right words, but hegyon libi lefanecha. You know it's in my heart. You understand how I feel and where I'm coming from. And I want you to know that. So we start our davening with a davening, with a tefillah, that we have a good davening. Hashem is I need your help. Help me find the right words. So we need to daven to Hashem. That's the first one. HaKadosh Baruch Ozer. Hashem helps. Hashem gives us the words He helps. And the tzaddikim ozrim. It means, this is the entire thesis of Hasidus, is unlike, unlike, I won't call it Hesnagdus, because I don't like that position again as adversaries, but unlike other hashkafos and worldviews, which place the emphasis not on attaching ourselves to a tzaddik, but attaching ourselves to Torah, not to suggest that Hasidus doesn't also endorse support attaching ourselves to Torah, but the doctrine of Hasidus is the doctrine of, of the tzaddik which is that you find that righteous person who is the moral model, the example, the compass, and now you calibrate your life based on them. So you come to their tish and you watch the way they eat and you want to eat their shirayim because the way they ate food is categorically different than the way you ate food. You ate food to satisfy your boich. You ate food to indulge in the pleasure of food. Yeah, you said the, the Kavach Shabbos Kaidish. But the tzaddik ate food with all the correct intentions and kavanas and elevated and transformed the food. So you want to eat some of that food. You want to imbibe and absorb some of the kedusha of a food which was elevated through the different way that the tzaddik eats. Right? That's, that's chasidus. So to watch the way the tzaddik davens, to get the brach from the tzaddik, to only live based on the advice of the tzaddik, to eat the shirayim of the tzaddik, is the doctrine of the tzaddik. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ozer, Salam Rebbe says, and tzaddikim Ozerim. Not only the tzaddikim in this world, we find the tzaddik and attach ourselves to him. Oh, today is the birthday of the Baal Shem Tov. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just came to my attention. This just in. Baruch <laughs> Hashem. <laughs> so, good. But says the Salam Rebbe, not just the living tzaddikim, but we can also ride the coattails of the tzaddikim who are no longer here. That's why we always say, it's when, whenever Salam Rebbe says, Zayin Yud Ayin, Schusa Yagin Aleinu that his merit should protect us, that we are attaching ourselves even to those who are no longer here. Right, that we are attaching ourselves to those who come before us. So when you go to these holy sites, why do you visit the grave of a tzaddik? Why are we going there? We don't believe. We're not worshipping them. We're not davening to them. It's a terrible misnomer. Those who do are violating idolatry and paganism. We don't go to the graves of the righteous because we're davening to them. There's a minag, quoted by the Shulchan Aruch, to go to the cemetery during this time of year. Why are you going to the cemetery? It's very simple. We have a very big court trial. We have a big hearing coming up. So 
I want the best lawyer on the planet advocating for me. And if I have a lawyer who I know plays golf with the judge, has coffee with the judge, smokes a cigar with the judge, knows the judge in the judge's inner chamber, that's the lawyer I'm going to. And I'm saying, could you put a good word in for me? So when we go to the tzion, when we go to the grave of the, of the righteous, we're not going because we're dominating to them. We're going and saying, can you be a melitziosher? Can you be my advocate? Can you represent me? I've got a big trial in the heavenly court. I have to appear before the judge. I know that you're much closer with the judge than I am. I'm barely an acquaintance to the judge. I'm practically a stranger to the judge. Maybe at times I try to be close and friends to the judge. But you know what? You, you have a history with the judge and the judge loves you. So can you be my advocate? Can you be my lawyer? That's what we're achieving when we go to the, the grave of the righteous. We need a salvation. And we turn to Hashem. Answer me. Truthfully. We ask, we ask Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai to shake the heavens. On behalf of everybody, that we experience the Geula Shlema that Hashem's name be made great in this world, that we fulfill our mission, that we achieve the day where, where His name and the world are, are consistent and are one, where people see Hashem in this world. So, Ace Ratzon sometimes happens to us, unanticipated, unpredicted, unchoreographed, unplanned. And in those moments, we have to at least have our antenna up to see it, to feel it, and to try to break through in it to bottle it, to write the letter to ourselves literally or figuratively, to be able to return to it in those Ezrat zones. We have those moments, they're there. And we also have an obligation, we have a responsibility to create those Ezrat zones for ourselves and for our family. How do we have a Shabbos table, which is going to be an Ezrat zone every week for our kids? That there are Zmiros, there's Divrei Torah, there's camaraderie, there's love, there's friendship, there's, there's storytelling, there's sharing. How do we create that Ezrat zone? At the Shabbos table. How do we create that Ace Ratzon with each upcoming holiday? Is the holiday only about... I told you a few weeks ago, I was making my way through this uh, essay in Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, by, I think his name is Rav Schwartz, on the Yom Narayim, and he talks about how the appetite of the body and the appetite of the soul, right? That HaKadosh Baruch created both, the body and the soul. They only work in consonance. A body without a soul is lifeless. It's a golem, it's meaningless. The soul without the body can't exercise free will in this world. It can't exist in this world. They only exist in tandem. That's the Ramchal and Derech Hashem. They only exist in tandem. The soul can only express its free will in this world. And he was talking about the fact that the body naturally has an appetite. If you don't need a few hours, you are hungry. You don't need a day, you're starving. You went a couple days, you're ravenous. And your body tells you when it's hungry and you have such an appetite to eat that it supersedes other appetites. I came back, I won't tell you what time, but very late last night, there was a project I was working on and I was in my office till very late last night, early this morning. And I was hungry because it was the middle of the night. And I went to the refrigerator at whatever ridiculous time that was until I stopped myself and said, go to bed, this is insane, there's no reason you have to eat. But the point is, no matter how exhausted you are, if your body says you're hungry, you grab something to eat on the way to sleep. The, the hunger for food supersedes the hunger for sleep because we're insane. <laughs> until, we can, until we can regain our sanity and say that's ridiculous. Absolutely, no one ever woke up the next morning and said, you know, the bag of potato chips at 2.30 a.m. was a really good idea. That was, nobody ever woke up and said, I'm really proud of that decision. That, that, that goes among my Hall of Fame decisions, ever. No one ever woke up the next day feeling proud when they saw the bag on the, on the counter. So, um, so the appetite 
is natural. It comes naturally. And Rav Schwartz says, what about the appetite of the soul? The soul also needs to eat, needs to be nourished, needs to be nurtured. But it doesn't have as natural an appetite. So it doesn't just go hours without eating. It can go a day. It can go days. And to be an Eved Hashem, to really be living the best version of ourselves, is to cultivate within our soul an appetite. That when it goes without Torah, it's hungry. It goes without Torah, it's hungry. Imagine if you didn't get to learn the whole day. You didn't get to listen to one shear, open one safer, learn the whole day. And now it's 2.30 a.m. and you're going to bed and you say, I'm so hungry, I can't go to sleep without a little bit of Torah. I just have to read one paragraph. One paragraph. One sentence. I have to read one, I have to listen to one minute of one thing because I'm so hungry on my way to bed and passing out, I have to feed my... That's the degree to which we're supposed to get. So we talked about that a few weeks ago. But what I read this morning, what he talks about is, he says it's so tragic that our entire calendar revolves not around the appetite of the soul, but the appetite of the body. Think about how we live. Is every holiday we associate with, what am I cooking? What's the menu? What's the food? What's the activity of it? Right? Rosh Hashanah is coming up. Got to get my apple and my honey and my fish head, and I'm making the roast, the recipe that my great-grandmother has been making that roast on Rosh Hashanah since, uh, since the beginning of time. Right? And then Yom Kippur, I'm not eating, so we talk all about the pre-fast and breakfast. What's the menu? And then circus, what's the menu? And if it's not the menu, then it's the physical or material component of it. It's the chauffeur or it's the building of the sukkah. We've got a great program this year. I just came up with yesterday where we're going to get volunteers to help build sukkahs for people who need help building their sukkahs. <coughs> Habitat for Humanity. Oh. <laughs> Rabbi Maskowitz's name. Matthew's idea of a program and Rabbi Maskowitz's name. Habitats for Humanity. Anyway, so, but we're so focused and concentrating on, do I have the most expensive esrog and is my sukkah well decorated and designed and what's the menu and what's the menu? Hanukkah, Sufganiyot and Purim, of course, are hamantashen and Pesach is 101 ways to make potatoes or, or matzah brai or like our, our, our immediate association of the holiday is our gastrointestinal appetite. What's my, or, or consequence. But what's my, what's, my, what's my appetite? And he says, isn't that tragic? Shouldn't it be, what is my neshama going to crave? Rosh Hashanah is when I, that davening and that feeling and that connection and which tefillah is the one that moves me and which tune is the one that transforms me and which is that moment I need to reach for those tissues because that's the point in davening that I am left changed. And Yom Kippur and Sukkot and which, it's a total realignment and paradigm shift of the way that we identify with and associate with the Jewish calendar. It's not just gastrointestinally, not just the appetite of the palate, but the appetite of the soul, the craving of the soul. So how does that happen? How do we create that Ace Ratzon? That sukkah leaves you changed walking out of the sukkah. Not just because it was overwhelmingly hot and humid or because the menu was great and so you're stuffed and need a wheelbarrow to be rolled out of your sukkah. But how do you leave where you say, I felt I was sitting but sailed to Hamam Nusa. I was in the, the shade and the shadow and the protection of Hashem. I was exposed to the elements, but I had no fear. Amunah bitachon, because he had me. I felt his hug, the two and a half walls of the sukkah, hugging me. How do I come through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and sukkahs, this period of the year, but the whole year? How do I come through every Shabbos, which is a holiday, feeling that Shabbos was what did it? I had a big experience. This is why I went to New Square for that Shabbos, not just so I could milk it for all these articles and drushes when I got back. <laughs> which is why I do anything in life, but also because I was craving, my neshama was craving 
access to touching, tapping into something I know there that I've experienced there that is hard to get elsewhere. I'm not romanticizing New Square. It's got plenty of problems. There's a lot of issues. I'm not romanticizing it. I'm well aware of them. And I'm not prepared to live there full-time. I'm not prepared to live there part-time. But there's a passion and an energy and an enthusiasm. And there are minhagim and practices, which I brought back to our family, which I won't mention now for fear of embarrassing my wife. But reintroduce some minhagim at our Shabbos table, which may not last, they're passing fads, but for now, they, for me, injected a certain spirituality from the way to make Kiddush to the way to make Hamotzi to, to other minhagim at, at the table. And for me, they've reawakened. Shabbos can grow stale. The Shabbos table can grow stale. The Kiddush and Hamotzi can grow stale. The Zmiros can grow stale. And whether we're going to transform it to an Ace Ratzon, we have to take extreme ownership over that. That's our topic on Shabbos Shuva. But that's up to us. Stop blaming everyone around us. Well, my kids run away and don't want to hear the Dvar Torah. And the guests never want to sing the Zmiros. And the thing, and I'm exhausted. And by the time we end that, we could come up with every excuse under the sun. But if we're going to make these, in, these moments opportunities, if they're going to be Ace Ratzons for us and for our family, we have to take extreme ownership. That's up to us. That's up to us. To imbue and endow these moments with meaning, with panemius, with depth, with with reality. I spoke about this in the Parsha here on Tuesday, so I won't revisit it, but it's the theme of our whole Parsha. Don't just go through the motions. Where's your Simcha Sachayim? Where's the Tuv Levav? Where's, where's really being present in what you're doing? Not just mailing it in externally, going through the motions, the actions, but where is tapping into the deeper symbolism of what we're working on, of what we're trying to achieve? Turning every mitzvah, 613 invitations for an Ace Ratzon every day. Every bracha is an Ace Ratzon. We quoted the Svas Emes in the, par- the Parsha Shir. It says, the person who brings the Bikurim says, Lo shachachti, lo achalti me'oni, lo avarti mitzvah secha, lo shachachti. I didn't do anything wrong. Right? How is that vidoy? It's the most peculiar confession ever. I have my confession, I'm perfect, I did nothing wrong. So the confession of the farmer is, I'm perfect, I did nothing wrong. The Rav has a beautiful insight. The Rav says, you know why that's a confession? Because when I say, Hashem, you know, I got this right, it means I'm capable of getting everything right. The fact that I can admit that I did this well means I can do other things well too. And if I don't, it's not because I can't. It's just because I didn't want to. That's, how, that's why it's a confession to say, I did it well, I got it right. So what does the farmer say? Lo shachachti. And Rashi there says, Lo shachachti I didn't forget to make a bracha. So this is one of the sources. Making brachas is rabbinic, not biblical. But when you drank the coffee and you said the shahako, lo shachachti, sasana says, you know what kind of bracha we have to make? The kind of bracha that we can say lo shachachti. When I make brachas, and I make brachas with everything I eat, I don't remember afterwards making the bracha. I mumbled it, I swallowed the bracha faster than I swallowed the food, and I don't remember, I'm not present, I don't remember saying it. What were the words, what was I thinking, what did it mean, how did it impact me? We just fly through it, we mumble it at best. Says the Sfas the whole method, the whole model of a bracha is lo shachachti, that we make a bracha, that the quality of the bracha is such that I remember afterwards that bracha. That's the quality of the bracha, lo shachachti. That's, so every bracha, how many times do we eat and drink a day that we're making a bracha? Each of those is an invitation to remember there's a Hashem, to thank Him for the world, the shahako, the ambiance of the world, not just the drink I'm putting in my mouth. It's an invitation, but only if we do it with the presence of a lo shachachti. If I mumble it, race through it, don't even remember saying it, then what was the point? Did I really even say it? You know? But if I embrace it, if I hold on to it, if I had the kind of conversation that I say, yeah, I remember that conversation, Lo Shachachti. I remember saying thank you because that was so meaningful. Of course I remember that thank you. Then that's an Ace Ratzon. So each of these Ace Ratzons where we're transforming our Ani 
then we're really anila dodi, anila dodi. I'll just end. John Gottman, we have here before, I've mentioned this many times before, he talks about in marriages, there are healthy, what he calls bids for connection. A bid for connection is when you come home and one person says, how was your day? Or a person just walks through the door or sends a text to the other person, that's a bid for connection. And how we respond to the bid for connection, there's three ways you can respond. You could turn towards, you could turn, to- you could turn away, and you could be indifferent. And he talks about the ratio of turning towards versus the turning away or being indifferent. In a healthy marriage, I think, I forgot whether it's 30 to 1 or 50 to 1, you need to have turning towards versus being indifferent or turning away. And so that's that notion I've, I've spoken about in the context of the Kruvim. The Kruvim, one Pasuk says they're looking at each other, another Pasuk says they're turning away from each other. Which one? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us bids for connection. Every time we eat, every mitzvah we do is a bid to connect with us. He's sending us a text. You're going to ignore his text? You're going to write back. And when you write back, will it be kind of text, Lo Shachachti? Of course I remember that text I wrote back to you. I, I was so engaged in it. Or is it going to be the kind of correspondence that I don't remember? What are you talking about? I don't remember it at all. Each of these moments are bids for connection. Each of them are as an ace ratzon to leave us changed, to leave us transformed, to leave us connected for ourselves and for our families around us. We'll pick it up next week. Amir Tzashem. Have a great day.